everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming the church. And as always, I'm here with Nick and Mary, my co-hosts, dear friends. Guys, we got a uh, we got a bombshell of a topic today, don't we? I mean, the preparation for this thing's been insane. Nick, what's our topic? Yeah, it's been it's been uh, brutal trying to get this one ready. How to think, speak, act, and pray when people hate us. We tried doing this. Woo-hoo, grab some popcorn and sit down. Let's go to town. It's like our third pass at this. At least, at least we tried doing this yesterday. I think we just wrestled, sputtered, stopped, crashed. We just ended up leaving. I ended it. up hating you guys when I was done here. <laughs> we were filled with contempt. Wow, it was terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was rough, and then even getting ready just now has been has been difficult. So, so. We, we actually think that's a sign, right? <laughs> I mean, like we're just confident, even just talking amongst ourselves. We're going to pray here in a second, but you know, like we we think we're so mindful that um, you know, as Christians, are more and more confronted with um, people who appear to or just downright say they hate us <laughs> and what we believe. Like Christians are like, uh, how do I respond to this? And and all too often, we're seeing people, we're hearing people, more or less imitate the world. And so it's kind of a pastoral podcast, right? Like, how do I deal with this? Like, this is it's tough stuff, right? So that's that's what we're gonna get into. So yeah, it is. It buckle is, up. It's it's so tough that if we don't pray, this podcast will go south. It'll be doomed. <laughs> So let's do that. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Father, we just uh, offer you this time right now. Pray that uh, your spirit would very powerfully uh, guide and animate our conversation right now, that it would be profitable for us and for our brothers and sisters who are tuning in. But we just pray for healing and for peace in the church and in this country uh, that we're living in right now in a way that only you can do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mary, maybe you and I can just set this up a little bit. Uh, you put us on to uh, a book that that I've come to love as well. Say a little yeah, bit about this, would you? So a friend of mine actually put this on my radar. Um, the gentleman's name is Arthur C. Brooks, and some of you might be familiar with him. I was not, and I've been enamored with him since, um, since I met up with some friends. And the book that we have been talking about uh, amongst ourselves is entitled Love Your Enemies, hmm. How Decent People Can Save America from the Culture of Contempt. And in a particular way, we've been taken with his discussion on what he calls the culture of contempt, and particularly his distinction between contempt and anger. So it's been fodder for a lot of discussion and you know, we just find it rather providential that we're recording this podcast today on the 10th, and today's gospel reading is from Luke 6, yeah. which is where Brooks takes his title of this book from. Love your so enemies. we think that, yeah, we're, we're, we're confident God has a word to share with. Yeah, and maybe just to, to just make that distinction that he highlight, uh, highlights right away. Huh? So anger, kind of more or less, as he says, it acknowledges things aren't as they should be. And so we, we kind of passionately go at things. You know, he uses an example of marriage uh, as an attempt to try to set things right. Huh? So anger says, I really care about this and want to resolve it. And he makes the argument, I think he's right, that people often say, man, we're really angry right now. And he says, I don't think that's true. I don't think we're simply angry. I think we actually are living in this, as you mentioned, culture of contempt. And he says, "So okay, so what's contempt? Huh? Contempt, he says... It mocks, it shames, it humiliates, it ignores, it cancels, uh, it engages sarcasm, derision, 
Uh, you you pick up on this one especially. What's the what's the little trick with the face? Oh, the rolling of the eyes. Yeah, man, and I get, I'm convicted. Yeah, who isn't right? And and so contempt basically says to the other person, "You disgust me," mm. and you're beneath mm. caring about. And I don't know about you. Uh, I'd love to hear your thought. I have found it as a really profound examination of conscience for myself, just to consider, wow, do I have contempt? for certain people in the world, in our country, uh, in the church even. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like painfully so the answer is, well, I I think I do, Lord. (laughs) Like how sad is that, right? Isn't that encouraging people? Do you find the book the same? Oh, I I found it very convicting. And in fact, as I was having a discussion with my girlfriends around this book, even as we're having the conversation, I'm going, oh, I think that's me. And, and, And we were talking earlier the lines get blurred really easy if we're really honest with ourselves from moving from that place of anger mm. to contempt. And even as, I, as you know, we, we unpack what contempt means, it's the antithesis to the fruit of the Spirit. Like as disciples, there should be no room in our hearts right, right for that. It's just the opposite of the virtuous life and, and, and the fruit that we have access to when we're living spirit-filled lives. Right. No, I, I agree. And, and unfortunately, because we are immersed in the world, all of us, and we're so connected technologically with so many things, and we have access to what so many people say and think, uh, it, it's easy for the mentality of the world to shape our mentality, you know? So having said all that, you know, I, I, don't, I haven't finished the book, so full disclosure, and he probably addresses this at the end of the book, so don't write me and, and scream at me, uh, my dear brother Arthur, if, if you do this. But as I was reading it, and probably reveals more about me than him, I was thinking, if I have a critique, it's that it seems a bit naive at times. That we got, in order to get rid of the culture of contempt, and this is not how he says to do it, but it's my impression sometimes, if we could just get people into the room together and to recognize one another as you know, men and women, that, that things would be better. Uh, that's a gross oversimplification. That's not what he's saying, but that's how I perceive some things. And I think w- what I've been reflecting on as I'm reading this is, what do you do when people do actually hate you? Or they hate what you believe, particularly as Christians? And I was thinking, we, we said Mass earlier this morning as a team, huh? And we used that second prayer of reconciliation, the second Eucharistic prayer for reconciliation. And there's a line in there which just jumped out at me, which, you know, we talk a lot about uh, in our ministry and with other people. It's why I think the church is supposed to be speaking so powerfully right now, because the church is supposed to be in the prayer, a sign of unity and an instrument of peace for the culture and the world. We talk oftentimes about the world is crying, and the church is supposed to respond to the cry. And unfortunately, all too often, we, I, can sound like the world. So we we mentioned we started to record something yesterday. We got like 25 minutes through it, and we're like, "Uh, I don't think this is what we're supposed to say. Mm -hmm. And so we just scrapped the whole thing, right? And I went home and was praying last night, and, and this is what I landed on. Like, Maybe just a short little reflection. I'll share with you guys some of my thoughts. Mary, maybe you can offer some practicals at the end of this. And then, Nick, I know you're just dying to ask me a question uh, at the end here. But it's all going to center how to think, speak, act, and pray when people hate us. And the us here, uh, I have in mind very specifically 
believers, Christians, brothers and sisters who've encountered the Lord. So let's just make a, I'll offer a couple of, this isn't meant to be exhaustive. These are some thoughts that I've put together and I pray they'll be helpful for people because, well, they're helpful for me, right? So how do we think uh, when, I'm, when I become aware of the fact that people hate me or hate us as Christians? So the first thing that comes to mind is just, it's, it's important for me to remember, to mull over, to call to mind, well, I was an enemy of God. And God in his love uh, didn't curse me, didn't squash me, didn't destroy me. Uh, his response to me was he became a man and he went to the cross. And so, you know, Paul says so powerfully in Romans, you know, who of you would die? You know, some of you might die for a good man, but nobody dies for a bad man. But God proves his love for us and that we, when, when we were his enemies, Christ died for us. So just to sit first in the fact that I was an enemy of God and God's response to me was love. The second thing that came to mind is this is a really sober thing just to sit with. Like, I got to come to grips with the fact that there, there really are some people who hate. And they don't just hate, like, some of them actually hate us. <laughs> you know, there's some people who hate me as a disciple of Jesus and as a priest. And, you know, other people are like, no, no, that's really not true. And the scriptures say, no, it really is true. Like, Jesus told us this would happen, huh? He told us that all men will hate you Thankfully, it's not all men. There's a couple of people that like us. <laughs> but all men, all men will hate you because of me, right? So he warned us this was going to happen. Now, that said, I have to remember, I have to, I have to keep these thoughts in my mind about the person who hates me, that that person never loses their dignity, right? That person's someone created in the image and likeness of God. That person is someone for whom God became a man and went to the cross. That person is someone who is destined, created to be divinized, even if right now they're adamantly saying they don't want that. And, and to be divinized means not only for them to be with God for all eternity, but for be, to be with me for all eternity, right? And, and it also means that I have to keep the thoughts in mind that these people are not beyond changing, you know, so often we say about one another, well, that's just Nick, and you know, he's always going to be that way, never or that's just change. Father John, just the way he's I never going to change. I mean, that is <laughs> fundamentally not true. I mean, mm -hmm. if, there's a, if there's a core truth in the gospel, it's that people can change by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within their lives. Think of St. Paul, for crying out loud, right? God turns Paul from, you know, a, a, a vicious, murderous arrogant man into the preacher to the Gentiles. Or think about Alessandro Serenelli, huh? the, the man who murdered Maria Goretti, and then who, through Maria's intercession, comes to repentance, and now this man who murdered this young girl uh, is himself up for beatification because of the tremendous, profound conversion in his life. And I don't have to think about Paul or Alessandro. I could just think about me. You know, I, I changed. Um, I continue to change. So we grow. So those are some thoughts, you know, about the enemy. How do we speak uh, about people who hate us? So I, I don't want to, I want to be careful at the beginning that I, I don't convey the, uh, the impression that 
that to be a Christian is just to be a, a pacifist and you just sit there and you, you know, I just take everything you say about me or throw at me and I, I don't have a right to defend myself or, or just say anything. Like, that, that's just not <laughs> true, right? You know, like, I can and I should defend myself and I should defend the gospel and I should, should defend the truth. I, I can speak and should speak directly and frankly. Uh, you know, as, as disciples, we are increasingly faced with ideas that create intense feelings and emotions in us. But here's the key. Like, I don't have permission from God mm-hmm. to ever speak without charity. I mean, to be clear, I do all the time. <laughs> That's why I go to confession. I go to confession, and I went to confession not too long ago. The priest kind of like chewed me out for some things that I confessed, and I looked at him. I said, you know, I'm not proud of this, right? Like, I acknowledge these are sins. That's why I'm bringing to you. And he looked at me and he went, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot about that. So I don't have permission to speak this way, you know? Um, I cannot imitate the culture at large. I can never speak with contempt. I can never speak with sarcasm. I can never gossip. One of my favorite stories... uh, about gossip, St. Philip Neri, often called the, uh, the second apostle of Rome, 16th century uh, priest. Uh, a woman came to him one time, or a man, I don't remember which, and confessed the sin of gossip. And he said, uh, okay. He says, well, the Lord forgives you. Here's your penance. I want you to go to the market, and I want you to buy a chicken, which, of course, would be a live chicken in the 16th century, right? And I want you to walk from the market to such and such a gate in the city of Rome, which was maybe a mile away. And as you're walking, I want you to pluck the feathers from the chicken. And then when you get to the gate, I want you to turn around, and I want you to walk back, retrace your steps to the market, and pick up every feather. And she looked at him and she said, Father, I'm never going to be able to do that. And he said, exactly. And you're never going to be able to take back what you said. I can never gossip. I can never uh, slander. I can never detract. I can never shame. St. Paul says, you know, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. James, we often joke amongst ourselves, right? Feeling good right now? Read the letter of James. It'll kind of ruin your mood. So James says, James chapter 3, the tongue is a fire. An unrighteous world among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the cycle of nature, and set on fire by hell. Hmm, isn't that a real pick-me-up? Every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no human being can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. Then he's speaking to Christians. With it, we bless the Lord and Father... And with it, we curse men who are made in the image, in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, this cannot be so. That is a striking rebuke to me, and I'm sure it is to most of us. That's why I'm not talking that much on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just make that clear. We've duct taped Nick right now. Or Jesus, you know, it's a passage that haunts me oftentimes. Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, he says, on the day of judgment, people will give an account of every careless word they utter. 
So those are some thoughts about speaking. What about act? Huh? Mary, you, you mentioned that today's gospel, as we record this on September 10th, you know, Jesus says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. It's worth reminding ourselves, love is a verb. It's not a feeling. Huh? It's an action. So it gets involved. So love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Jesus is the ultimate example of this throughout his whole life, right? On the cross, he's praying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I'm thinking of St. Maximilian Kolbe, who's uh, such a hero to, to us and to so many listeners, I'm sure. You know, Kolbe, the great Franciscan priest who dies in Auschwitz, uh, he offers up his life for another man. And as he was arrested, headed to Auschwitz with a set of other Franciscans, he says to his brothers, brothers, forget not love. In other words, guys, we're about to be sent into a concentration camp. And no matter what they do to you, they can't make you hate. They don't have that kind of power. You're the only one who can make yourself hate. So don't forget love. Uh, I'm thinking of the, the Bishop of Mexico. I've, I'm forgetting his name right now in the 20s, in the time of the Mexican martyrdom, the persecution there. And he has this... Uh, Great passage. It's in Robert Royal's book, uh, 20th Century Martyrs. And he, he says uh, something to the effect of this. He says, the bishop wrote a letter to his people, and he said, the president, Calles was his name, the president knows that if I were to but say the word, the people under my pastoral care would rise up in rebellion. And he not only knows that, he knows that I know that. And yet, I won't say anything. The president, he says, is living right now because of the unfailing tolerance of God. Mm. <laughs> like, whoa, you know, so that's how we act, right? The, the chaplain at Nuremberg, one of the chaplains, a guy named Father Sixtus O'Connor, just a tremendous figure. He was uh, in General Patton's army and uh, was exposed to just the horrors of the Nazi regime. He saw, he liberated a couple of the concentration camps himself because he was fluent in German. Patton nominated him to be one of the chaplains of the people who were the architects of the concentration camps. And he spent several years ministering to these guys before they were executed. He led one of the guys to repentance and to baptism. That was his actions, right? That's how I act, or I can act. I hate people like this. <laughs> you know, like they show me I'm possible. You know, like greatness is within my reach. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to do that. You know, it just looks like so much work. But it, it's possible to do these kinds of things. This is not pie-in-the-sky stuff. It actually happened. It's heroic love. It's heroic love. Maybe one last thing on, on how to pray. And then, Mary, maybe I'll ask you to just offer some practicals. So, you know, this might be a little self-revealing at the beginning. I remember uh, I, was, I was in an assignment one time. I got a call from a—because it's hard enough when, we, when we're mindful of the fact that people hate and they're out there in the world, right? One of the hard things in the church, like when we're aware people within the body of Christ hate us. So I get a call from a, a priest friend of mine one day. This was many years ago now. And he says, hey, uh, John, he says, I just saw you got, you know, asked to fill such and such assignment. I said, yeah. He goes, uh, hey, congrats. Um, the, new, uh, the new moderator of that is Bishop so-and-so. I went, okay. And he says, um, I just thought I'd call you and let you know he hates you. And I'm like, oh, hey, th thanks a lot. <laughs> really picked me up today, bro. And he stopped and he says, no, John, 
Really. He hates you. I didn't even know this guy, really. And his actions, anyway, seemed to imply that he did. <laughs> uh, he, he, he was very um, harmful to some of the things that we were doing. Anyway, I found myself getting tremendously uh, vengeful, filled with rage, just bitter beyond belief towards this man. And I was praying one day in the chapel, and I felt like the Lord said to me, do you really want to get even with him? And I'm like, you know I do. And he says, good. He says, offer mass for him every day. And I went, oh, well, that's not really what I was looking for, Lord. <laughs> and so I do. I, I pray for this man by name every morning. Uh, I pray for him. I pray for another guy who's attacked me in the church uh, every morning by name. And I just say, Lord, I'm here for them. You know, as I sit here in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I hope people are praying for me in front of the Blessed Sacrament too, you know, lest it look like I'm some tower of ivory. Um, so we want to pray for those who hate us. You know, that's how Paul became Paul. Stephen prayed for him. And uh, there's this great reading that the church uses on the Feast of St. Stephen, which just says, you know, basically, Stephen got his revenge on Paul by praying for him. And the first person to greet Paul when he came into heaven was Stephen. And they became great brothers, you know. Um, I'm mindful of... Uh, Again, Maria Goretti that we mentioned earlier and her prayers for this man who was, as she's dying, as she's getting stabbed by Alessandro, she's praying for him and saying, Father, forgive him. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. And Alessandro changes and becomes uh, a tremendous man. So there are so many, so many more things that we could say. I, I, I pray that's just some helpful thoughts for people when we become soberly and painfully aware that there are people that hate us. Mary, you, you got some practicals that are worth sharing. Yeah, um, you know, I was thinking as a uh, young mothers, we teach our children, you know, Bible verses and Bible songs. And I remember one of the songs I was teaching our daughter years ago, it went something like, be careful little ears what you hear mm. and be careful little eyes what you see. And oftentimes I think the inclination when we First thing in the morning and at night is like to jump on the headlines, go to your favorite news aggregate or go to your Facebook uh, page mm. or jump on your, you know, you know, the blogs that you follow to, to, to catch up on the on the latest news. But I think the best thing that we can do and I'm talking to myself, too, is to is to bookend our days with scripture. Right. And 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 um, and, and some good spiritual reading, because. Um, I don't think any of us are so naive as to think that what we watch and what we read and what we listen to doesn't form our minds. And what we speak flows from our heart. And, um, and that includes how we act as well. So maybe that's just getting that good spiritual food, maybe first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Um, and um, if we find ourselves struggling with with, with, with contempt, you know, maybe ask the spirit just to reveal where that's coming from, you know, mm. that, you know, take that to the father, um, in, in prayer. And, um, and then also to, um, for me, like father, you just mentioned confession. I was at confession this last weekend. And one of the ways I examined my conscience was against, uh, the fruits of the spirit in Galatians five, you know, um, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And I was scoring myself on some of those, and I wasn't doing, you do? I wasn't doing so well. I got an F on some of these because I just realized if, if we don't have that self-control, we're going to cross that line from anger to contempt. And, um, and just kindness and patience and you know, oftentimes the way, you know, um, the Lord forms us in the virtues is to put us in those circumstances where we can grow impatient, which means we're going to be put in some impatient circumstances. And how are we going to grow in not being contemptuous or not being filled with um, unrighteous anger? Um, he's going to put us in those situations that's going to stretch us. And so, uh, you know, j- just going in and you know, getting the sacramental grace that's afforded us in, in, in confession. So those are just a few thoughts. Yeah, thanks. Those yeah. are really practical. What about and you, Father? The, the only other thing I might add is just, you know, maybe in preparation for confession and whatnot, just do an honest assessment of yourself. Like, are there people right now in, in my life, your life, mm-hmm. that, that you actually hate or contempt or, you know, feel contempt for? And be honest about that. And then bring it to the Lord. Like, Lord, I acknowledge this. Like, I've got this in me. And uh, I remember... Uh, good friend of ours, Father Prentice, tipped, and he gave me as a, as a penance one time. He was a great confessor. And he's, he asked me, he says, do you know how you get rid of a snake bite? I go, yeah, you suck the poison out. And he goes, yeah, he says, ask Our Lady to just gently suck the poison out of you. Hmm. And so when I feel, especially emotions uh, into me, uh, I just ask, I picture Our Lady just like clamping her mouth around like the bite of my hand or something, and just ever so gently just removing the poison from my heart, from my blood, you know, and just asking her to intercede that uh, that it would be filled anew with the uh, with the Lord's the Lord's blood. That's such right. a powerful image. Can I just say one more thing? Um, as we left last night and we were praying about, you know, how are we going to come at this topic today? Um, I'm sure we're all familiar with Saint Francis of Assisi's um, peace prayer, and. You know, sometimes we can, or it's, it's like an old song that we used to sing, you know, years ago in Mass. And I don't want to go through the whole, you know, song or read the lyrics, but I was taken with like just maybe the first three lines. You know, make me an instrument of your peace. Um, where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. And then later on, he talked, uh, the, the, the lyrics say something like, uh, to seek not so much to be understood as to understand. Mm. And I, I think that just speaks to the issue of empathy, and we could probably have another podcast on that alone. But that's also just something really practical that we can do. Yeah, we were, you know? we were kind of joking yesterday that that song, that really powerful prayer that he wrote, for many of us, it's attached to a melody which reminds us of the 70s, yeah. <laughs> you know, like felt banners and collages. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it has this sappy to connotation, it. but it's anything but sappy. I mean, like, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. I mean, this is a bold, manly, gutsy, strong, heroic prayer. Um, which was set prayer. to a really soft melody <laughs> for some of us, some of our minds. Yeah. Sometimes we ruin things, don't we? Yeah. Well, um, the image that comes to mind as you guys are, are going through these practical things is, is are you are you, are you am I, um, at, at the time of Jesus' arrest when he's getting arrested in the garden, are we acting as Peter, and mm. slaying the ear mm. <laughs> off a man, or are we are we going to be that? that healing touch that picks the ear up and puts it back mm-hmm. on. Wow, it's a beautiful and, image. Um, great I just think that's uh, great the Lord's inviting to us with. to step into his shoes there. And um, anyway, so that said, you know, 
for those of you who might be listening to this and thinking to yourself, gosh, this is, uh, this is challenging me. Um, you're not alone. At least I, I'm sitting here with that same feeling right now. I know, I know my, my friends here are too. But right before this podcast, Father John, we were talking um, about hate and contempt and, and this whole thing. And I was, you know, stating like, well, I don't, I don't, there's certain figures, you know, that stand out uniquely right now in this, in this realm um, that I, I would say I definitely don't hate them. I don't even necessarily have contempt for them. Like I can, I can honestly say, like I, 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 I want their good. I want them to convert. I want them to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Like I want to see that they're 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 flourishing. But I was telling you, like I hate their ideologies. Like I hate these things that they seemingly stand for. And you were um, issuing a course correction for me, which has mm-hmm. been helpful. But I think that might be helpful for others too. Is you know this this image you have, the analogy of a train. Can you talk about that? Yeah, and just to be clear, so I, I appreciate that, and, and it's easier. Um, so when when you know any of us are talking to other people, we're 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 really usually talking to ourselves. You know, like I'm always preaching to me, and so um, you know I'll share I'll, I'll share right now what I tried to share with you, which is I I don't want to give the impression that we're supposed to be some sort of computers where you know we just tune out our feelings and emotions. I mean that's part of what it means to be human, mm-hmm. right? Jesus has emotions and feelings, but everything in the Lord is wired rightly. Jesus describes himself as meek. It's actually the only word he ever uses to describe his interior life. He's meek, which doesn't sound like a really like great word to aspire to, but it actually is. It's the word that's used, among other things, for breaking a wild horse. So the, 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 the image of meekness is strength under control. That's who Jesus is. He's the mm. pure power of God always, always harnessed in such a way that what he does, thinks, acts, and prays um, and is out of love, right? And we want to aspire to that. Jesus says, come to me and learn from me. Let me teach you. And so I often have to, uh, I, you know, if, if meekness is breaking a wild horse, I, I regularly pray, uh, picturing myself as the horse handing the Lord the reins, of my life. And I just say, Lord, you know me, you know my passion, and you know my emotions, and you know that if if you don't do something in me, I will kick people today, because <laughs> that's how I can get. And so break me, you know, harness me. Uh, don't take away the passion, just put it all under control. And so the image that I shared with you is um, mindful that I don't want to be an automaton. I don't want to lose feelings, uh, the images of a train. And I think I might have got this from Peter Kraft, but I forget who gave it. So uh, maybe someone can correct me if that's not right or if the image is off. But this is the way I remember it. So he says, try to picture a train and you've got three cars. You got an engine, you got a passenger car, and you got a caboose. And the three cars are reason, the will, and feelings. And the way an ordered person's life works is reason is the engine. It informs my intellect. So what's reason? Reason is how things really are. It's reality. So my intellect's formed by that. Then that's pulling my will. My will's being in conformity with reason. And then my feelings, they're the caboose. Unfortunately, what usually happens, at least in my life, (laughs) certainly when it's out of whack, is feelings are the engine. They're pulling my will 
and reason, it's been uncoupled from the train and it's like 10 miles down the track. And so we want to try, especially in these days right now, and especially mindful of what we're supposed to be as the church, instrument of unity, sign of peace, or sign of unity, instrument of peace. We want to make sure that as we engage, that we do so, um, I don't want to say dispassionately, uh, I can get, and I think we can get uh, pretty direct, pretty frank, pretty passionate, but always in such a way that it's informed by reason. And so I don't, I don't want people to, to let themselves get away with, well, I hate that way of thinking. I hate that ideology. I hate that position. I, I would pose to you, well, why? What is, what's, the, what's the reason for the strong reaction there? And hopefully what we can get to is, well, because I think, not I believe, I think that there are some objective reasons why this way of thinking or this ideology or whatever the case might be is actually harmful to you, to me, to a culture, to the church, whatever it might be. And so without losing feelings, I want to try to bring my feelings under control by thinking. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, with that said, look, we, we did it. We, we did the podcast. Praise be <laughs> Jesus. Wow. <laughs> this is only take 72. No, just kidding. So, you know, I, so, yeah. so thanks, guys. I mean, I appreciate this. This is something that I just, uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot about this over the last uh, week or so. And uh, there's a lot more to talk about in the midst of the culture that we're living in right now. And uh, we look forward to, to doing some, some new podcasts uh, or some new episodes uh, speaking into some of those things. And Nick, just before we close, you know, we were talking about praying and acting. Um, do you want to speak a little bit, just to remind everybody about our National Day of Prayer and Fasting? Yes, Mary, I would love to do that. So on, on September 24th, as you've probably heard on a previous podcast, but September 24th um, is the National Day of Prayer and Fasting. Uh, we invite you to join us uh, in a particular way. Um, what we're doing that day is we're just inviting people to specifically pray and fast for God's mercy on our land and for the healing of all of our hearts, the conversion of all of our hearts, right? Uh, the second thing we want to share with you again and remind you about is um, Father John's new book coming out. It comes out on September 23rd, the day before the National Day of Prayer and Fasting. And that book is titled Rescued, the Unexpected and Extraordinary News of the Gospel. You can find that available to pre-order now on Amazon. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just, we're so excited about that. That's, that is the story, the narrative, the, the gospel. And uh, it's so helpful. And it's, it, it actually is very healing to the heart. So. And, and God wants to use us in this particular time that we're living in to be a means by which people who right now are filled with hate can themselves be rescued, right? And can give testimony to God's remarkable transformative power in their lives, even as we aspire to do the same. So remember... You're not alive right now by chance. God created you for this moment. So do not be afraid. He's with you. And you were born for this. <laughs>